All right, folks, welcome back to, uh, it's been a while, Matt, football podcast, MWR.com. We've kind of been uh, doing other stuff the past couple weeks. You good? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> a couple uh, a couple shows off, we got stuff happening, stuff comes up, out of town. Plus, did we really miss anything of any big football news too much? I don't think so. <laughs> well, yeah, a couple things more recently. You know, the, the offseason after, uh, you know, the, the second you know, National Signing Day has been a little bit slow, but a couple, couple things to touch upon today. A couple things. So I guess the big thing we haven't talked about, the video game's back, right? It's been like two weeks. Everybody came back next day, podcast, podcast. I'm like, well, we'll have to wait a little bit. But uh, this will maybe give people who missed out on it or didn't care to hear other places. They want to hear us chat about it for whatever reason, because that's what we do. Boy, when you saw the tweet, 1 to 10, how are you feeling? Uh, 12? 13? <laughs> <laughs> do you still have I, I play i played a lot of ncaa 14 back in the day do you still have it i wish no my i had to, I had to trade in my ps3 a long time ago yeah i did it too they always have those good deals trading the ps3 for like double the credit on gamestop which apparently still trades games and does stuff but that's why i did like i to buy. i went to look to buy one about a year ago games like 80 bucks oh yeah ps3 less than the game sometimes <laughs> <laughs> to get the system but that, that's a fun game like i try to play madden eh, i don't really care too much i play fifa because it's simple and easy and quick but like how, how what was your team like did you always pick fresno or did you pick some random team to move them up to the top like some crappy sunbelt or bottom of the barrel team and just say let's see what we can do with this random mac team no i, I did a little bit of everything you know i played some fresno state um i was definitely more interested in building a, a dynamic offense than a defense as you should right <laughs> Yeah, in these games. No, but I would just kind of jump around and just see about you know taking a team all the way to the top, essentially. Throughout the games, I remember I did some online dynasty when it kind of started getting going a little bit here and there. Did you like the how much recruiting they had you do during the season? If yes. you play, you did like all that stuff. Like, get this guy pitched. Like, hey, you could play early, or hey, there's a whatever the recruiting pitch would be to play. Actually, like diving into all that stuff. Oh yeah, I'm I'm into a lot of like the, the simulation type games. Like you mentioned, you know, playing something like FIFA, and I would mm-hmm. I'll, I would play something like you know out of the park baseball or, yeah. or, or things of along those kinds of lines, where you know if they brought a lot of those you know ha- really hands on elements back into the game, where you know I don't know if, if if emulating the role of like an athletic director would be hard would be easy to do, but like if you could do like I don't know a director of football operations in addition to being a coach or something like that. I think that that would be a really interesting direction that they could take this kind of franchise. Well, I know they had the NFL coaching version that didn't do all that great a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like they have Madden, clearly, but then like where you just basically you build a franchise. Like you don't really play the games. Like the games are an afterthought. I feel doing it because time restraints. Maybe it's changed. It's been a couple of years since we've been, either of us been able to play. But I kind of felt it was fun. But I'd like a little more automation. So like I'd rather kind of play the games and then oh if i can kind of set my recruiting message as this for like and check in maybe like, like twice or three times a season mm-hmm. i kind of felt like i liked that went to it but sometimes you'd spend an hour to recruit and then you play a game it's like well i played one game but i was doing an hour trying to convince some parents kid he'll be good on safe on campus mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it's a, that's just my thought but it's like it's a big deal and we know why because name image likeness is coming and it's going to be able to get players a few bucks like if you're a college guy, would you accept from EA like a, maybe a system one? 
if you could get a game for life in like a system every four years, would that work out for you once during your college career? Would that be enough to uh, sign me up if you were like a college football player? Regardless, I mean, if you're they, a starter, they were already giving out PS fives in the Fiesta Bowl, were they not? They were, but I'm just saying, like, if you're in the game mm-hmm. and they actually use your name, like what's probably going to be eventually, if you're a college athlete, okay, freshman, here's your system of choice, and you get a game every year. You're playing football. Would that be enough compensation? You think, or they want more if you're like a named player, perhaps? I mean, I think it would, depending on the caliber of player, I think you would definitely want more for certain individuals. But I mean, I could see something like this being incorporated as like kind of a, a common just kind of perk among programs, you know, like and, and not to say that, you know, having like a lounge with copies of the game would be on par with like the fact that what LSU has like a lazy river or something like that. No, UCF. <laughs> Or UCF has a lazy river, or, 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 or like you know, recording studios or whatever other oh, geez, random probably. stuff that they that they build rather than just giving money to the players or things like that. But I could see something like that where like every program could have, you know, could kind of build this into what they offer the the, the athletes that they're recruiting. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun thing. Like, what do you want in the game there to happen? Like. When I played, I would choose like random teams like Northern Illinois, or I would try to make Air Force a passing team in like six seasons, and that mm-hmm. sometimes worked. Sometimes it didn't work at all because it takes a while to recruit guys who like completely overhaul your system. Like I would try to defense is always difficult. I'd always want to do like never run the ball, even though if I know it, even though running the ball usually does a pretty good job, even if it's like a basic run. I'm like I just want to deep pass four verts go. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I would do a lot, but it, it takes. I, I hope because some of the batting games, it's hard to catch a pass. Like, they make it where let's push this button to do a big, a certain type of catch, or let's make a pass where it's a loft pass, it's a hard target pass, it's a bullet pass to the chest or something. Mm-hmm. I don't want it that simple, but it's like, don't make it overly complicated, even though now there's, I guess some systems have a few more buttons. I've always been a PlayStation guy, so I think those controllers have been the same since what, the PS1 essentially, or PS2. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I want to do. I just want to make it like you're not like a basic mode, but it's like uh, let's not make it like you have to push X, R two, and L Z one to make a diving catch or something. So basically, you want like something that's more of a pick up and play kind of mode. Kind of like there could be some advanced options. Like when I look at FIFA, there's a lot of random stuff you can do. But yeah, it's they should build it like that where it's like okay, this is how if you take control of receiver and you know like triangle or whatever, jump, circle, dives to catch or. Something like that where it's not like four a three or four button combination to catch a pass where mm-hmm. oh I can take over the receiver and I can jump or I can dive or something like that Th- those type of things if you want more advanced stuff fine but it needs to be kind of mixed in where like there's half the stuff I go through FIFA or Madden I'm like I don't need half of this stuff to make a particular type of player catch it's uh it'll be fun like do you ever do any like the FUT stuff for like Ultimate Teams do you ever do any games with that on EA? Yeah. Um, not with EA. I mean, I've, I've played the show quite often over the past calendar year, and they, yeah, of course, they have the Diamond Dynasty, which is more or less the same thing. I think that would be a fun way to do it because when I play, I guess it's where sometimes I just want to play. Because when I before I played buddies, like oh, we're gonna play, mm-hmm. we're gonna play next to each other, or we play online to pick a team. But like when I do like FIFA, it's more fun. Like I don't care about the players. I don't know too much about soccer, but it's a fun game. And I like to play it. So like yeah. oh, I build my team. Like oh, if you have a guy from the same country to help your team out, or whatever skills so there's ways to make them better like in the in the show or people are familiar with madden like classic players could be a fun thing to do if they bring this up like if you can get the rights to bo jackson or tim tebow or players like that back in the day emmett smith mm-hmm. or any players or jerry rice like in his fcs team it's like 
that I think would be a cool thing to do, but I don't know how they'll do it. But I guess they're gonna because you want to make money in the game because you have to buy to do all that crap. Mm-hmm. I think that I, do you think that, that that'd be interesting? Like, do you want to be Derek Carr or Devontae Adams? I mean, if I went and bought a copy of NCAA fourteen, I could do that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing well, you that. Know what again. <laughs> Just saying. But, uh, yeah, Good point. I, and I think that that would be fun too, if only because. You know, like if you're a San Diego State fan, how how much fun do you think it would be to play with like Marshall Falk or something like that? Or if you're a Colorado State fan, like running around with Bradley Van Pelt or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if they make it deep enough, which, you know, considering, you know, the massive amount of difference between, you know, 30 Major League Baseball teams or versus like 120 with the potential for even more as far as the discussions that I've heard. I think Matt Brown had a scoop the other day about D2. Yeah, possibly D2, D3, and further down the ladder being uh, something that they could include in future editions. And, you know, we're already talking about a timeline where it's probably going to take two or three years to do this anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I'm looking for something, you know, you mentioned, you know, the ability to just kind of pick it up and go. For me, I think one of the big things that they could do that they really weren't able to do in the last iterations of it is like just greater levels of customization. Yeah. Where... You know, if you're building a season and maybe you want to abide by the old BCS rankings or if you want to build a season and have like a four team playoff or an 18 playoff or a 24 team playoff, maybe you want to get rid of conference championships. You know, maybe you want to do relegation and, 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 and you know, ascension and things like that. And so I think anything, any tools that they can provide in order to just kind of let people play out all of these ideas that we've been talking about for years as ways of potentially improving the college football landscape, then like, even if those things never get implemented in real life, it would be, I mean, for me personally, that would be immensely satisfying. Oh, didn't the old game used to have a playoff option? One of the versions. It might've like, I, I remember in NCAA 14, they could let you create your own conferences and move teams. Yeah. Around, but, you, but you couldn't like create a new conference. You kind of had to work within the confines of what was already there. Yeah. So like you had to have at least one independent team and things like that. Um, but I just kind of want, like, if you want to build a situation in which your kind of your program exists, like your own little mini universe, then I think, you know, for those of us who are really nerdy about those kinds of things, just having the options to go in and do those kinds of things or creating a program from the ground up with like a stadium and, and, and promotions and, you know, hiring staff and things like that, you know, however in-depth they think they can get with it, I'd be all into that kind of thing personally. I like it too. What would you rather have? Because if we notice, it's not NCAA football; it's college football, mm-hmm. which means probably version one might be fall summer twenty twenty two. That might be the soonest we get something. Yeah, that's and that could be who knows what generic team names or whatever. Like the uh, who knows, make some random name up. You know what I mean? Like close enough. Like it'd hey, be a lot like the Doug Flutie game that came out yeah. a year ago or so. The San Diego Surfers or something. It'd be something like mm-hmm. that. Or it's just something where it's, oh, you know, it's the kind of the color scheme, essentially. But what would you rather have actual, like, players' names, actual, like, like, like it used to be before, but actually admitting it to who it is, or that customization? Because if it's an NCAA football game, how much input would they have? Like, well, we, this is our system. We have the 14 playoff. We don't have relegation. We don't have this. Would you, what would you, what would you give and take? I know we want all of it, but if you were to give up, say, I don't care what the, give me the team names, like, that'd be, that'd be, I think that's kind of fun to have. Like, if you have the team names, the players and teams are the level or technically what they probably should be, but without being specific about Trevor Clemson has long haired quarterback number or whatever he was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But would you rather have that where it's kind of like random players, the teams are kind of level where they should be, 
but you could be customize it to any degree, like you said. Or do you want like the player's name? What would you pick? I think the out the gate, I would probably pick the former. So would I. I think that's more fun. Like because and, and maybe this is somewhat controversial. I might be in the minority on this, but I would prefer a game that was built for a stronger single player experience than an online one. How, like I, I don't play online at time. Like maybe there's stuff on FIFA I do that's randomly playing, but you could like. If I play, like, if you, you mean, like, play as your own dynasty, but it's just sim- not simulated, but you, it's you versus whoever, like, the computer, yeah, and, essentially? And, and, like, I haven't played Mad- Madden in, in forever, but one of the things that I've heard, uh, as far as, like, a common complaint, is that, you know, they haven't really done much in the ways of innovation, and that mm-hmm. certain segments in the game, and I think franchise mode, if I remember correctly, is one of the, the biggest, kind of, Achilles heels of the franchise at this point, that they haven't really done anything to overhaul that segment of the game because they've been focused on making it more of like an online game with like the ultimate team and things like that. And personally, I wouldn't, I could take it or leave it. And, and maybe this is just based on my experience as a gamer in my, in my you know, mid to mid going into my late thirties where it's like, I don't have the patience to, to deal with people online yeah. at a certain point. And so I think, you know, if I could have the level of customization where I could just have the game exist as I want it to, or even with like a small group of a small group of friends, like if we all agree mm-hmm. that we want to have like I don't know, like a six like a six person I don't know conference mode or something yeah. like that. You know, where everybody's operating within that same little mini universe, but it's not like you're playing randos all the time. Yeah, where you still play a whole season, doing the same thing over and over again, and things like that. But you guys are in a conference. Yeah, everybody else plays, and there's some weeks you. I did before. I think when Solid Verbal did years ago, I when I had PS3, like they did some online things, so I joined that for a couple seasons. Mm -hmm. Basically, there wouldn't be enough like a full league, but what they would make sure to do was like, okay, let's have three to four teams. I don't even remember how big it was or whatever, but there'd be make sure, okay, if you're the Big Twelve or the Pac-10 at the time or the Mountain West or the WAC, you would make sure you have three or four teams in that conference, so you're either you're almost always playing somebody. So oh, it's a week I'm not able to play. Or whatever they have to change the schedule, I'm still going to play a, a computer per, per person, not online, like playing versus a machine. And then next week, oh, I'm playing against you. Like mm-hmm. that was kind of fun too, because oh, I can't play for a day or a little bit of a while. Okay, I'll just play my my schedules this way. Where I got my non conference game is against whomever, and it's me versus computer. But I think Ultimate Team, it's not all online. I think you just maybe I'm mistakenly just dumb because I go through Ultimate Team and soccer and FIFA, make players up, do stuff, and then I just play my division. You could do that without it being online for somebody else, where it's just you're mm. playing and get someone because some like not the patience like you're playing these people that may quit or whatever. The internet connection could be messy on either end, but like sometimes I just want to play. I don't care if I'm playing with my friend. I do my friends, but like I don't care if I'm playing against some random because I'm doing this. I'd rather customization's fun. I'd rather have that to be able to okay. I'm going to be University of Utah. I like the Utes. So I'm going to play a season and. I just want to play against the computer level of varsity level or something. I don't care if I'm playing against yeah. somebody else. Like that, I think is more fun than. I mean, it depends who you are. Again, I can't say it's more fun for me. I'd rather that because I could play at my own pace. If I play four games a week or I play once a month, like that's what I'm doing. Any other items you want to bring up about that game or anything you want to see definitely happen or not happen? Nothing else that comes to mind right now. No. We'll probably discuss this later, so we'll get to it. But that's like two years away, probably. Maybe like 18 months, if, oh no, yeah, a year and a half. So it'll look like summer, what, 2022, probably? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I we'll, would imagine so. We'll see. I, mean, how- I wonder if you could pre order it already. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, I don't think there is. Because I totally would if I could. <laughs> All right, here's my five bucks. I'll order it in 18 months when it's like $85. There you go. 
All right, so we'll get to more on that later down the road. We'll see. We'll maybe have some more fun figure something out once it gets going. But we're going to chat here with Michael Katz, who does uh, plenty of stuff for Wyoming football over at wyosports.com. So we'll chat with him about coaching changes because, hey, it's a good time. We've been trying to get him on for like a month, and mostly on my end, kind of being not lazy, but uh, we haven't had a show in a couple weeks for football. So we'll chat about how it was to cover a team where you can't really cover a team, all these changes and all that type of stuff. So we'll get with him in just a moment. All right, now we're going to do something different today. We never have guests on, but we're going to have a guest today, which means we have Michael Katz joining us. Matt, Michael L. Katz on Twitter. So for being one of the few guests, you have to be honored to be joining us because we rarely talk to other people besides me and Matt. <laughs> I'm very honored. Right? I, I appreciate you guys having me. No, I, we appreciate hopping on too. We've been trying for a couple weeks um, just to mostly on my end because my, I've just been out of town, been busy. But our initial, I guess the timing is great because as me and Matt talk, chat about and will, Coaching changes at Wyoming, which we'll see if fans like it or don't like it, but the offensive coordinator was the first kind of big change. Let me ask you about what all the changes you have, Brett Vigan and everything there. Some people we know of all the team are kind of relieved he's gone. Is that a sense you're getting for him kind of uh, leaving town for a different job? I, I think it's, it's, it's complicated because I think people really like Brent as – uh, a person and as a recruiter and as somebody who, I mean, he did have a good eye for, uh, for finding talent, but the last few years, there's been a pretty big disconnect between what the perceived level of talent is and the offensive production. And so, you know, I, I think players were pretty bummed because, you know, they, they, they grow close to their coordinators and the people who recruit them. But uh, I, 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 you know, I, I honestly think it's it's maybe not the worst thing for both sides because, you know, let's be honest, Craig Bull was never going to get rid of Brent Vegan. They're, they're really close, and that's that's his guy. It would have to be a move like this would be the only thing that would probably spur change. And, uh, you can say Craig is stubborn, and he is. He'll, he'll admit that too. Um, but I, I don't think he would have done that on his own. And so I think for Brent, it's a good opportunity to, you know, he gets to be a head coach. Obviously it's, you know, it's at the FCS level. He's, he's been there before. And I, I think for, for Craig, it, it kind of allowed him to make the change that maybe in the back of his head, he knew he had to make, but couldn't really bring himself to make. Yeah. Cause I mean, one thing I think I mentioned, and I probably put it on our Twitter account you know, months ago during the season is it, I got the impression just as someone outside of the program is that when, when the offense was working for the Cowboys, it, like it, there was a no more real demoralizing offense anywhere in the conference, but when it wasn't, it was really difficult to watch. And even in the team's most successful years, which, you know, it, it's, it's worthwhile, I think, to take a step back and realize that the Cowboys are still in their most successful stretch of three or four years since like the late nineties but that, you know, you can't help but wonder that they left something on the table just because of how often it seemed like they were just kind of like trying to run through brick walls as opposed to trying to find a way around it or over it or something like that. Yeah, I, um, for a, a story I did uh, a few months ago, I looked up, I went like deep in the statistics about, you know, what their percentage of running was on first and second downs. And this past year, they ran the ball 78% of first downs. And it was like... 64% of second downs or something like that. And when you're that predictable, 
you're going to put your quarterback, I don't care who it is, in some really, really tough spots on third down when the defense can just pin its ears back and uh, know what's coming. Um, and so I, I think there was, you know, obviously, you know, let's be real, Sean Chambers getting hurt third play of the season or whatever really, you know, set things back. But, um, you know, I, I don't think the strategy would have changed a, a ton from from what they did with Levi. I think they were going to run it on first and second down regardless. And uh, it, it was pretty clear by the end of the year that that just, you know, they have good running backs. They've got good linemen. Uh, but w- when when defenses, you know, when, when, when coordinators like Rocky Long know what's coming, they're going to eat you alive. And, and I think that's kind of what we saw uh, as the year went on. Yeah. Cause like Xavier and Valaday, Trey Smith, like do amazing things. Like they're like the best running backs almost in the conference, especially Valaday there. So like, we know the receivers are new this past year. So that was a little bit, but it's also, we saw the year before when Sean Chambers would just mostly run the ball and stiff arm guys from the big 10 and the openers and beat people up. Levi Williams. I thought he would throw a bit more. Because that's what he did the past couple of games the year before. Like, oh, okay, he can run almost as well, it seems like. He throws a bit more. They got – you're right. They got to be more non-predictable because, right, 70%, 60%. If you're going first and 10, second and six, third and four, it's like the old New Mexico days when they ran that weird option offense, whatever it was. We're like, can you have a quarterback who could at least pretend to throw the ball? Because if we if it's third and 12 and you bring in another quarterback to throw it, not that well, I'm in the same scenario, but, like, you know how it is, like – if you're that predictable, oh, it's third and 14, here's the throwing quarterback, or they're going to still run the speed option. What would, like, what was the, the stuff against, like, pass as much? Was it not faith in receivers, the quarterback play? There had to be something besides philosophy to where they know being that predictable can't be good. I mean, I, it's tough because, I mean, if you look at Craig's best teams here, even when Josh was here, uh, you know, that best year, Brian Hill was, amazing yeah. you know, ran mm-hmm. 1600 yards whatever it was um and uh, you know in 2019 when they went eight and five you know Valade led the, the the conference in rushing yards but I, I think it's when when sean went down um you know i i think from the outside we saw what levi did in the bowl game that uh arizona bowl where he lit it up and i think we kind of all got a little bit ahead of ourselves uh, in, in terms of, of what he might be or, or where he is. And when Sean won the quarterback job, Sean won the quarterback job. Um, it, it was it was decisive by, by all accounts. And when, when they lost that, uh, I, I think people kind of thought, well, well, Levi's better anyway, because uh, they saw a really small sample size. Sure. Uh, but it, it was clear that, um, you know, yes, he can run. Uh, but you know, th- there's a reason he didn't win the job. He he's got some mechanics issues. He holds onto the ball. He he will make some uh, head scratching throws and and he'll take some sacks. And um, you know, there's a lot of talent there. Like when Levi is good, Levi is really good. But um, there's there's just a there's there's this inconsistency there that I I don't think that they felt that way with Sean. I think they felt like Sean was going to be a more consistent product. And when they lost that, I think the whole plan just sort of went right out the window. And, and part of that too was, you know, with the COVID stuff this year, you know, there were a couple games where they didn't really have any other quarterbacks behind Levi. Um, and so they were limited in, in what the playbook looked like. Cause if, if Levi got hurt, 
then they were going to have to put in like a walk-on wide receiver at quarterback who had never taken snaps. And so there were just a lot of, there were a lot of different sort of intricacies to this specific year that made it, you know, maybe more challenging than it, you know, losing your quarterback in the first drive of the year is always going to be bad, but uh, I think if it was going to happen any year, this was probably the worst year for it to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, worse than also maybe, you know, if you're thinking in terms of like, you know, because the year was so unusual that it's hard to take away too many negatives, which is something that I'm kind of taking with me into the off season, kind of taking the optimist's view for teams across the conference. You know, I, I look and I see that, you know, Williams has still just made just nine career starts. Chambers has made 13 career starts. And so, yeah, while the, the injury issues obviously contributed to some of the unevenness that we saw from the Cowboys last year, you know, it is to a certain extent outside of their control. And assuming they get better injury luck going into 2021 you know, with the, the new hires on the offensive side of the ball, that's where you can kind of start building a case. Okay, well, we now, now we know we have you know, two quarterbacks who have at least shown a lot of promise. And, you know, we were able to bring over a new offensive coordinator from Big Ten country, and we were able to bring in an offensive line coach from the NFL. And so I don't know if that's kind of an, an awkward pivot toward talking about some of the new hires, but how do you think that, you know, Tim Polisek might, how do you think his offense, at least at a glance, whether from his history or from watching film or whatever you've been able to do, what might he bring to the table that's different than what uh, Vigan was doing during his tenure? In Laramie, you know I, you know the, let's let's not kid ourselves. They're not going to be an air raid. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Craig going four and five wide makes me giggle because I just know it would never happen. Um, but I, I think looking at what he, Tim Polisek did when he was North Dakota State's offensive coordinator, uh, and when they won a couple of titles uh, after Craig and and Brent Vegan left. Um, you know, it was. If you look at the numbers, they're they're similar. They're, they're run heavy, and you know they're never going to wow you with like crazy passing yardage totals. But I think the important thing is is that uh, his his passers were really efficient at North Dakota State, um, and that's something Craig has said he needs to see. He needs his quarterbacks to complete sixty percent of the passes. Uh, mm-hmm. This past year, they were in I think the forties, which is a second year in a row, which is pretty. I mean, that's unheard of in this age of college football. When, I mean, even Josh Allen was an amazing completion percentage. I yeah, and in this era where you've got guys pretty regularly completing close to 70 uh, percent, it, it's it's kind of mind-boggling that, that there's just been so low. And I, I think if you look at the Iowa program and, and what they do, I think that is like Craig Bull's perfect – like Frankenstein power football creation because you know they're gritty they they play tough they, I mean they play like Craig's teams in a perfect world play but they also have had decent quarterback play over the last few years um you know Nathan Stanley he I mean I don't remember I it was it's hard for me to like think of an Iowa quarterback throwing 26 touchdowns but he did that a couple years ago and and they Again, it's not going to jump off the stat sheet, but I think it's passing the ball well enough to stay true to what you what you really want to do, which is run. And I think that just sort of having a new outlook on that 
even if the philosophy doesn't change a bunch in terms of, you know, they're going to be power run. That's, you know, obviously. But I, I think that they can sort of tinker ways they go about it. And, and I think, I, I mean, at this point, I, I don't think there's really many excuses left for, uh, you know, if this, if this offense doesn't get it going because, you know, you've, you've, you've recruited pretty well, you've got really good players at all the important spots. Uh, and if this guy, you know, maybe it doesn't happen right away, but uh, you know, this was a pretty big hire, I think for Craig, because uh, I think he, you know, he's not a guy who's super online, but he he has eyes. He knows uh, he knows his offense hasn't been very good in, in the last couple of years. And I, I just I think bringing bringing in a, a fresh set of eyes, even if it's rooted in the same philosophy that Brent Vegan was in, because, you know, he's a he's a vegan disciple, too. I mean, they were at North Dakota State together, but I, I think I, I think they're just going to try to. I think the, the term Craig used was attack defenses more. And I think they're not going to, and they're going to try to be a little bit less conservative, which um, I've never seen uh, Craig Bull offenses do. I've only been here for two seasons and uh, it's left a lot to be desired if we're being honest, but uh, I, I think they understand what they have to do to take it to that next level. And what was, what they were doing wasn't, it wasn't working. Yeah, because I remember from the press conference the other day, everybody tweeted the thing out like, "We're not going to be like three, three was it three plays and punt or something, whatever, maybe something yeah, like three, that." Right, yeah, it's a three yards in a cloud of dust and a punt. Yeah, a punt. It's like you would think like with the how great the running game is. It's, it's I know it's brought up in there the play action. It's like you have like one of the best running backs. Valaday led the conference in rushing. They had him injured last year. Trey comes in, does amazing things those couple of games. Like. How is that now? Is that going to be mixed more? Because that seems like a clear obvious because you look what Air Force does or teams that are run heavy, like when Nevada ran the pistol or any academy that wants to run that type of offense where it's not option, but run heavy. How is that not more of the game or like mixing like a tight end screen or something is that you don't, that's not going to require them. Like you mentioned, not going four or five wide. Is that, that's something he has to think about. Like they know you're running. It's third and three. You still may run because that might be your best play. But if they're going to stack you, you mix in some sort of fake a play action or just some sort of flip screen, that has to be part of the playbook because it's not a hard throw to make. It's easy catch to make, a good catch to pass. It's like that has to be brought in, right? That has to be at least a small wrinkle that's pretty basic if we're talking about it for real. Yeah, and I think part of the problem with the previous passing game is there weren't a ton of easy throws. You know, there weren't a lot of gimmies uh, to get guys in rhythm. They were chunk plays or they were ones that required, you know, five-step drops and protection, all that stuff. And if we're looking at where college football is, for the most part, that's it's not what it is. It's, it's, it's quick passing and easy throws for guys to get guys in rhythm and to just get yards and yards and yards, and eventually it adds up. And I think that kind of goes back to the efficiency thing where uh, they – you know, do they need to throw for 300 yards a game? No, it's probably never going to happen. But they need to they need to take advantage of the throws they do make, and they need to give whoever the quarterback is uh, easier throws, better play action looks. Because like, like you said, when they run the ball as well as they do, their best option is going to be off play action because their best threat is the run. And yeah. so um, – the other thing is, uh, you know, Iowa is very 
they're known for using their tight ends uh, a lot. And, and that's something that I think people are excited about with, with Polisek that he might get the tight ends involved a little bit more. Cause I mean, they like the tight end room. Uh, they just, I don't know. It just kind of always seemed like they didn't know how to use them. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of really since Jacob Hollister left, it, it's kind of been a, um, it hasn't been a huge position of, of importance all, um, overall. And, uh, and I, I think doing things like that, because a tight end can be your quarterback's best friend. Again, it, it's easy throws. And uh, I think I think that's going to be a big piece is making things easier for, for the quarterbacks. Yeah, and you know, with, with that in mind, you, you mentioned the tight ends and it reminds me of, I think it was the UNLV game from a couple of years ago in Laramie. One of the one of the early touchdowns in that game that Wyoming had was just it was a really easy pitch and catch off play action, and then I remember watching them in the weeks after that and wondering where that element of the offense was, and so I feel like you know something even a, a minute degree of difference in the you know run pass ratio can make a tremendous difference because I, I didn't necessarily think that the problem was you know an, an over reliance on on like chunk plays. Because, and I mentioned this on the podcast before, whether it was intentional or not, seemed like a lot, in a lot of respects, the offense was most analogous to what Air Force has been doing. To me, the bigger problem was that they just weren't always as efficient as Air Force has often shown themselves to be on the ground. And so when they fell behind schedule, put more pressure on the quarterbacks, you know, put them in more obvious passing situations and they were able to, um, that they were equipped to handle. Yeah, and I... I agree with that. I, I think, and again, it kind of goes back to the predictability thing. When, mm-hmm. when, in that, when you are as, when defenses can count on you to run seventy-five to seventy-eight percent of the time on first down, you are going to be behind schedule the rest of that drive. And, uh, you know, unless there's a chunk play, and those do happen, uh, but, you know, it's not what they're banking on. They're banking mm-hmm. on five yards of carry, and. Um, yeah, it, it's. I, I think the predictability really kind of it, it put them behind schedule a lot, and, and it led to those third and five, third and six, when um, basically they knew that Levi was going to have to drop back, and they knew that they could rattle him, and and they did that. I mean, you Wyoming quarterbacks threw one touchdown this year. That's. Yeah, oh I mean, that's. Inc- I mean, that's amazing. Uh, and it was in the first game. It was a beautiful throw <laughs> uh, to Gunnar Gentry. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, like that's maybe we'll see more of that. And I did not see another nope. one. Nope. <laughs> <None of those. laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, and you go back to that, I think that that tie end play against UNLV, I believe it was to, um, I think it was Jackson Marcotti uh, who, who caught that. And then it just seemed like whenever things worked, they just stopped doing it. Um, and there's, you know, I know coaches have the reasons for doing things, and I'm not a coach. I'm not going to pretend I know more than an offensive coordinator or anything like that. But there were moments when, you know, you know, when, when the, against Colorado, Levi had his best passing game against Colorado State this year. He threw for 300 yards. Um, and they stopped doing the things that made him successful in that game. Now, part of that was is they were playing catch-up because Levi was so bad the first two drives because he got picked sixth and I believe he fumbled on the first two drives. So they were down 14, nothing in like two seconds, but um, you know, he looked really good the rest of that game. And then we just never saw him look 
as comfortable again. And I, I think there, there was an issue with, with putting guys in, in position to, to be successful and, and to, to make things easy. I, I think things were made kind of hard for, for the quarterbacks this year. Yeah, you could say, I'm looking at the rest of the games that year. He did, obviously, no touchdowns, never cracked 100 yards. What, not even 50% the final three games versus UNLV and New Mexico figured, oh, he should have some success in passing. They didn't need to versus Rebels, obviously, winning, what, 45 of the 14. But it's like you're playing teams that aren't great defensively. And you're right, it's like it's weird where one thing works so well. Like even versus Nevada, like Nevada had a pretty good defense overall, mostly up front, but – they he had a reasonably good game for a Wyoming quarterback to come in and do what he did with game one, just over 50%. I like to be better, but still 200, 220 something yards, a TD, and one pick. Like, if they had that the rest of the season, like every game, geez, it could have been quite a difference. And, like, especially those lot, like the last game versus New Mexico, maybe versus, I guess, CSU, they did it. But, like, is it, let me ask you this, like, is it an issue? Like, they don't, I, I don't want to say you, you may not know this, but is it the offense or the player? Like, we know they want to run. But do they trust these guys to even throw the ball? And I, I think that I, I, I think they, they trust Levi, but I don't think they trust him nearly as much as they trust Sean. Um, and I think, am I saying the whole offense or the whole outlook would have looked different if Sean doesn't break his leg against Nevada? No, and maybe he completes forty five percent of his passes too. So but, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great complete. They never threw a ton with him anyway, so it's kind of hard to tell. That's why I thought I was like with Levi, those Pasco games only throwing more. They threw the ball more and a bit better. So I was like, well, maybe he could be a guy, but I don't know. They don't throw enough for Sean anyways to me have a great opinion. If he's going to give him 20 attempts, what's it going to be? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, we had moments where, you know, last year, uh, in the 2019 season, we saw Sean right before he tore up his knee, um, uh, six, eight, eight games and whatever it was, uh, he had his best passing game of the year. And it was like, okay, like sucks that they're losing him now once he's finally starting to look good. Yeah. And then he kind of had it with Levi this year where everyone was like, oh, here, here he comes. And then it just never got better. And, and you know, I think part of that's on the players. Um, you know, Levi will tell you he can't make the throws that he made. I mean, he made some atrocious decisions. Um, he made some really bad throws. I mean, Levi's a gamer. I mean, he was playing through injury this year. Um, but, um, you know, he's he's not going to use that as an excuse. But I, I, I think that when... When when Sean went down, I think we talked about going off schedule. I think everything went off schedule, and they just that trust just. And I think that's normal to not have as much trust in your backup quarterback as you do in your starter, because there's a reason you named a guy the starter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, it was again the the one touchdown pass over six games is. I I don't even know how that works in college football right now, but. Uh, they, not good enough. Not they good managed enough. it, and yeah, it was, it was not good enough. It was not. I mean, that's they they can't win being that futile in the air. So, so do you do you have an an impression of whether you know Polisek's higher, whether Derek Frazier's higher, as a as a tandem or individually? Like, are these going to have any like immediate effects on Craig Bull's long term future with the program? Because you know, I'm of the opinion that 
you know, considering the circumstances, you know, he's done a, a really remarkable job relative to a lot of his immediate predecessors. But I know that there's that feeling, like we mentioned earlier, that you know something something in the performance has been has left fans has left people wanting a little bit more. And so, like if this ends up being more of the same over like let's say the next year or two, does that put any more pressure on Bowl to like does it make his seat any warmer in your opinion? I mean, I, I think like you said, there are people who have been left wanting more from this team uh you know like when they you know when they went eight and five in 2019 mm-hmm. completing like 43 percent of their passes everybody's like god imagine if they completed 55 or 60 like you could have a really impressive team and yep we just been Air Force. <laughs> yeah we, we just never seen that that next step and i think people you know i i, I think given where wyoming was uh and where it has been the last 20 years or so you know, to have to win eight games pretty consistently. Obviously, this year was they didn't even play eight games, but yeah. um, but you know, that's historically it, it hasn't been done very often here. Um, I mean, this like like one of you said, like this is a pretty great stretch for the program, and uh, I think sometimes fans get impatient and they uh, sometimes forget maybe where they were or what they are. And um, so I, I, I don't know if, I don't think Craig would ever be on the quote unquote hot seat because one, I, I think he's a lifer here. Um, you know, the, he's, he, he loves it here. He's comfortable. Uh, this is his kind of place. Uh, and I, I think administration is kind of, I, th- I think they've got his back a hundred percent on that front. Fans, on the other hand, uh, you know, they, as, as you know, they're hard to satisfy. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and so it, it you know, I, I do think this offensive coordinator hire was really, really important because, um, you know, it's, I don't think his seat gets hotter if it doesn't work out, but it, I mean, where this is kind of a defining moment in like his coaching tenure where. Mm-hmm you're kind of at the crossroads now where it's like, is this just what the program is or is there an, another step? And you make this higher with the hope of it being the next step. And if it's not, maybe it, maybe it doesn't get to the next step and that's okay. It's okay to win eight games. Um, and again, not everyone's going to love that, but um, I, I think this is a, a potentially defining hire just in terms of what, the tenure ends up looking like here. Yeah, and you know, the real irony is, you know, we've been talking this entire time about the offense and and really what it does is it sort of overshadows just how well the defense is done given the circumstances. And I think, you know, going back to making the optimist's case is the fact that they were, in a lot of respects, they were able to maintain the level of performance that they had under more normal circumstances back in 2019, you know, with the opt-outs, with you know, all the young contributors that had to all of a sudden step up and play at all three levels of the defense. And, you know, now they're stepping into a situation where they're looking forward to spring and, and into the off season where they're number one in the conference in terms of returning production. You know, they have one of the rosier projections in the conference, at least as far as defensive SP plus is concerned. And they have a very, very, very manageable schedule in 2021 as well. 
so I guess if we're if we're looking to kind of turn turn the page and look forward a little bit, you know, maybe one of the things we can touch upon is, you know, obviously Wyoming's had a lot of players declare their intent to return in 2021. You know, guys like Garrett Crawl, Aiden Everhart, Trey Smith, Braden Smith, Asias Candy. So among that group who, you know, could have chosen to move on and, and have decided to take on the extra year of eligibility, who to you, and, and maybe it's one or two players, but who do you could make the biggest impact or are the biggest deal in that regard and as far as guys coming back for 2021? Uh, I mean, I think... Um... I think Garrett Crawl is is huge. One, yeah. I mean, he only played three games this season, so he never really, uh, he never really got to. He really not, never got things quite going like I think he would have wanted to. He had the foot injury, and then he had COVID protocols, and it was just a, a combination of a, a bad series of events for Garrett. But I think what he brings to the table is a leader. He's just and he's just so solid. Uh, he's he's not going to light it up with sack numbers but you know he's always going to be in the right place and he's he's always going to make the right place and um i i think him coming back is huge trey smith coming back i think is really big just because uh you know validate has had some injury issues uh, he's get he's gotten beat up before mm-hmm. uh, we saw it happen this year too missed about a game and a half or whatever it was and uh, i just think having a dependable or course Another one is is never a bad thing. The other one I would say, or the other ones I would say, are uh, two offensive linemen in, in Logan Harris and uh, Alonzo Velasquez. Velasquez missed the entire season with a torn labrum, um, and he was going to be one of the starting tackles. Um, Logan Harris has been a three-year starter, four-year starter at guard. Um, they are coming back, according to Craig. I believe his quote was, well, I saw them at practice this morning. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And so I, I think I think having those guys back is going to be big, especially for, um, you know, Velasquez, because, you know, their tackle situation was a little iffy at times last year when they moved Latrell Bible over there, who was normally an interior guy, and he kind of had some mixed results. They took Rudy Stouffer out of the lineup. There were just a lot of moving parts, and I think to have uh, a level of, of consistency back on the offensive line and have, like, that group that, we all thought we were going to get at the beginning of the year. I, I think it's going to be pretty huge. All right, let's move. We got our Zoom time limit running down here, so we got to finish this up on some questions to ask you. But it's great. One thing I wanted to bring on like months ago. It's like, how the heck do you cover a team when you can't go to practice? Your hair cherry pick players that you could talk to. You can't sneak off to the side to chat with some guy. You know, I know you're probably relying more on people who are like the your insider program that gives some info or something. But like, you're kind of new there as well. So like, how? difficult was it to get more than beyond they're giving you or what you could ask normally? I, I think one of the reasons I really um, enjoyed, you know, my first year here uh, in 2019 season was, you know, we got all the one-on-ones with players and coaches that we wanted. We would sit in a room with them and get them for as long as we needed, unless they had to go to class or something. And, and this year, it was all of us on a zoom call fighting to ask questions and everybody trying to get their own angle on a story and, and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And so it was, you know, one, you didn't get the personal connections that, that you did before, Uh, but two, and and I don't want to say that it was a blessing in disguise, but I think it, it kind of forced me to rethink the way I attack stories because I kind of knew that if I just, 
took, you know, got the couple of players uh, in the weekly Zoom call and got to ask like a couple questions. I was those weren't going to be good stories, um, and so I had to kind of think outside the box and uh, like who else can I talk to who could help tell this story? And mm-hmm. sometimes it was going to parents, it was going to former coaches, it was it was kind of going going that route to to sort of tell the story because um, you know, like it or not, we we weren't going to get all of the things that we needed to to write the stories that, you know, we might have been able to previously. And that's just, it's just kind of the way it was. And it kind of sucked at first and then you kind of get used to it. And, um, you know, then it, you kind of realize it's nice not having to uh, put on real pants and you can just yeah. use your pants <laughs> and no one will know. You know, the truck on the snow too. It's like when it's getting yeah. cold, it's like, I yeah, don't need no, to be man. negative five degrees. <laughs> it is negative. It is a uh, negative five here right now. Yeah. It's horrible. But um, yeah, and so it, it kind of forced me to, I think probably forced all of us to sort of attack things differently. I think it's, yeah, I had this, like, there were a couple weird moments where just, you know, Laramie's a small town and, uh, you know, you walk around town and like you see a player or a coach and like you feel guilty because like you only are supposed to see them on Zoom. <laughs> and it's just like wait like this is weird like I, can i say hi like what do i do i just look yeah. down like you know and, and so it was yeah there were a lot of those situations and um you know s- seeing people and and um you, did someone say something no that's okay we could go that's fine no let me ask let me ask one last thing real quick that's that's perfect i was curious too because i do a radio show in Salt Lake and same thing byu utah it's like hey you get to ask the questions you ask and you're lucky to get it essentially what they're doing it's like you got a third string offensive line they're like come on guys what are you doing give us somebody good sometimes uh but last i would ask you about the mountainous tournament for basketball one basketball question here i brought a proposal which maybe people seem to not like it wouldn't include one of me, so you can whatever. It doesn't matter because you got Marcus Williams, so that's the next couple of years. That should be great. But I propose a four-team, like, round-robin tournament because COVID will probably kill a couple of teams toward the NCAA tournaments. You get better games if you're playing the top four, like, you know, I mean, CSU, San Diego State. Do you even want to go to the Mountainous Tournament? Should that be a thing that should be happening for basketball? I mean – I, I look at all of the things that have been happening in recent weeks with with games getting canceled and um, it's just like everything is up in the air right now and you kind of I've had moments where I'm like is this is this really worth it um, all year long for me I'm like if they say mm-hmm. no to anything I wouldn't care I'd be fine if yeah, they stopped at all you know if you put all those teams there um, considering that a lot of them have already had issues you know there's a not a math guy, but there's a high likelihood that something is going to happen uh, while you're there. And, uh, you know, you, you've gone through you know, almost an entire season now. For the most part, you know, it, it, I don't know if I'd say it's worked, but uh, games have been played. And yeah. I think that's Decent the, best, amount, yeah. it's the best you could ask for. And so it's, do you really want to risk these teams like even like some of the ones that don't really have a chance of winning the Mountain West, like do you really need to take San Jose to the Mountain West tournament? Probably not. Um, You know, I know every team wants to play and Jeff Linder has said that too. Um, But Jeff Linder's also been big on keeping his players safe. And um, you know, even I like, I don't know if I'm going, cause I don't, you know, I don't even know if it's going to be worth it. Cause I, I don't know 
once. It's actually, I mean, if it's going to happen. Yeah, I got the email last week. You're going, I'm like, delete. I'm not going this year. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's... I was fortunate to make a couple trips to Vegas this year, and it was very strange. Vegas is a very weird place right now. But, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I... Part of me doesn't even want to have a Mountain West tournament and just, like, take take the top, you know, or, may, or maybe you do take the top four seeds and have them play for it. But uh, and for me, realistically, there are four teams that have a shot at making the NCAA tournament. That yeah. Now that makes a ton of sense here. Let me wrap up quick because our time's going out because I can't manage it well enough. So I'll do the outro of you later coming on, but thanks for hopping on. And it's been great to uh, pick your brand about everything. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Once again, I'd like to thank Michael Katz for joining us for a good a good chunk of Wyoming talk. It was awesome, man. So check him out on Twitter, Michael L. Katz. Um, yeah, the little hiccup in the middle. We did a Zoom call to the sky. So it's like, our time's running out. We got to wrap up. Um, it's great stuff for the uh, for the Wyoming staff because kind of what we wanted to really talk about. Like I talked to him like late December or January. I'm like, hey, how is it to cover a team during pandemic or it's way different? Because – I'm a nerd and like that stuff. I'm quite interested in how that goes out because I do that not to his degree as a beat writer, but a radio producer. You talk with coaches, players, stuff like that, going to practice, and that could not be done, especially in my position. I was kind of like the lower guy to cover teams. So I just did it remotely. A couple times we could go to BYU games, stuff like that, or a couple Utah stuff, but not really. So it's fun to get his inside that because it makes sense. Like I think the same thing. Like we have the kind of the same not issue, but the same thing with him because. We're rarely, if ever, in any games, any practices ever, probably because of other stuff we do and what we're doing right now. But thinking about that, it's like, he's right. It's like, that's what sometimes I think about. Like, how can we do different stories where if you're all on a group call or even articles, you're like, hey, we got the quote from Coach Norvell or Coach Ball practice. It's going to be similar to everybody else. But for what they do where it's like, okay, they're the main beat writer. What could be different from what they're doing from those quotes from a player or something, because everybody has it, it's not public. Like, getting those one-on-ones is amazing, like, off by themselves, smaller town. It's like they're not, like, a huge big-time program with a ton of commitment, so they can kind of sneak off to the side or they get their individual interviews, like he said last year, because he's also only year two on the job, coming over from Boise or cover the Broncos and other stuff with Idaho Statesman. But I thought that was quite interesting, because it makes you get different stories. Hopefully everybody enjoyed those, because I know reading through Michael's stuff, it was some good things I'd found throughout the year. That he wrote, but overall, it's like the coaching stuff. Like, I like, like when Matt asked a question, I kind of sent it to him, like, hey, get your question in there about is not that if Craig Bull was actually on the hot seat, but could this hire determine his long term future? And it's kind of a hard question to answer. It's kind of a no to make sense of the future because I was looking up during like when we're chatting, like this stretch, like Wyoming having three bowl games in four years and four winning records. Excuse me, four, he had one six and six year Craig Bowl. Um, so four years out of five, I'm sorry, I had in front of me here, but having three bowl games in four years and four out of five non losing seasons, I don't even count 2020 because it's just weird. So, like, the past four years outside of 2020, non losing records, his first year was two and second year, two and two, four and eight, first year. So, three bowl games in four years has not been done since Paul Roach was there when they had two 10 win seasons, a nine win season, and one losing record. Where they in the AP top 20, 18 a year, one year, and 10 in that 1988 holiday bowl year, they unfortunately lost all three bowl games. But so if there's fans, and like Michael's right, like fans shouldn't be too picky. Like they, it's always greener for bringing in a new coach. But this stretch, I know everybody loved Joe Glenn, but Joe Glenn only had one bowl game in his career there. 
and had only and that was the only winning season when they won the Vegas Bowl with seven and five. It's so like this time frame of three seasons of eight wins or more is their best three-year stretch in a while. I know they had the Joe Taylor whack title game year where they didn't go to the bowl game, lost to BYU at 10 and 2. That was a really good year before he left. But there's the stretch of seasons that are good. Like T- Tiller had a really good stretch. He actually had four straight year, five or excuse me, four straight years of winning seasons. Did um, let's see, my master seven straight in a row between him and Dana Dimmel. So those are kind. Of, those are the same type of years where they're not losing a ton of games, but also bowl games are different too. Back in the pre 2000s there were fewer bowl games. Like, oh, everybody goes to a bowl game now, but this stretch hasn't been around in 20 years. Like, the bowl game stretch, almost 30 years. The consecutive winning seasons hasn't been around since the late 90s when they left the, in the whack in the first year in the Mountain West. So, and we're not, I'm not saying by a stretch like Craig Bowles out of here anytime soon, but I think fans would like a touch better. A touch better. Like, every who wouldn't want to win 10 games a year, go to the Mountain West Championship game like they did, have Josh Allen top 10 draft pick? Like, who wouldn't want to have that? Like, that's an amazing year. And so winning eight games a year, maybe that's one with ceiling. That's all they do. They're eight and four most years. And then, like, their schedule's super quick. Not today. Then we're going to do some SP Plus next week, the preseason that came out recently from Bill Connolly. Like, Wyoming's non-conference schedule, they do have Ball State, which is a good team. They won the MAC this past year. But, like, they're a non-conference slate. And I don't have their conference slate in front of me because I just don't at the moment. But, like, they have Montana State, which, heck, they'll face their whole coach there. At, and Northern Illinois, very winnable. Ball State at home, it'll be kind of tough. And at UConn, like they should, can easily go three and one, maybe even four and zero. Oh. And that and that'll be great for bowl great conference. Like if they do start four and zero, oh, like and here's their. I do have their conference slate super quick. They go to Air Force, two Boise, two San Jose State, two Utah State. Three of those four are pretty tough. I don't think San Jose State's going to fall off the map, but they also may not be as what they were last year without Sir Walker. Um, and some other some other key components, but home game CSU. What's the other doing? Fresno is going to be tough at home. They get them. They get a good, pretty good Hawaii team at home. They get New Mexico at home. So like this year could be stepping up to be a pretty good team. And why SP Plus has them ranked reasonably high within the Mountain West. But we'll get to that next week. Once again, thanks for Michael Katz joining us. Michael L Katz on Twitter. Check out all his stuff and check us out mwr.com in order to find us. We'll have more football stuff coming up. Hoops is going to be wrapping up here in a moment with the conference tournament. Maybe I had to, I did ask him a question on that, and he's like, "Why should everybody go?" And I we were both half kidding the delete button on the email, but we got some hoop stuff coming up. But subscribe, rate us, share, share, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time, folks.